powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hi. Thank you, everyone. Wow. Can't believe you're all here. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Please sit. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. Before we get into this episode, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, Jeremy Ryan. Had no doubt his episode would resonate so well with so many people. And again, congratulations to him on the birth of his baby, and we wish them all the success for the future. Okay, folks, welcome to episode 107. We have a very good episode in store for you today. We have on the show Darian Williams and Melanie Wolf. Together, they have revolutionized the world of childcare and co created Brella, a new type of childcare that offers full time, flexible, and on demand care and schooling, along with parent education classes and family events. Folks, these ladies have cracked the code, and Brella is expanding in California. These are two extraordinary women, so let's just go ahead and get them on out here. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet and welcome all the way from Los Angeles, California, the co-founders of Brella, Melanie Wolf, and Darian Williams. <laughs> Darian, Melanie, hello, welcome to the Derek Duval Show. How is the weather out by the pair of you today? good it's a little chilly for los angeles uh mm-hmm. but still sunny and blue sky so you can't complain mm-hmm. darian yeah absolutely just about sunset so perfect california evening all right so i start my interviews off with the same way and that's how has it been for the pair of you to navigate the covid19 pandemic up to this point yeah i mean it's it's been very interesting we've learned a lot and you know i think the positive of it is that our business has grown exponentially during this time and you know, for a little you know backstory we opened our first child care center first brella child care center four months before covid started so to be honest we've really only known operating in a covid world and you know the the good part of it is that it's really forced us to make very good and smart business decisions so we had to get profitable really quick we had to figure out how to you know, operate in tight and difficult times when resources were not necessarily available. Um, I think the, the frustrating part is just operating with the anxiety and fear all the time, especially with an industry in an industry that's essential. So we were open, you know, early on when it was scary to even go to work. And I think we're all ready to be done having that anxiety on our shoulders all the time. I would just add to that too. I mean, I think there is something really empowering about being open and being able to support families. You know, families were really left without a lot of care resources and almost overnight. 
So it was a very immediate and shocking experience for a lot of families. And I think our business um, took a lot of pride in being able to serve the community and really be a support and a lifeline to so many people out there. Well, the fact that you're here talking to me still, I mean, obviously you guys definitely rose above the the challenges. So congratulations to you both. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you both born? What was it like growing up there? <laughs> I was born in San Francisco, California. It was rainy and windy and wonderful. Um, I grew up in the city and had a fantastic childhood living the city life and I'm really grateful for those times. Well, I was born in Frankfurt, Germany, uh, <laughs> but I only lived there for one year of my life. So don't remember most of that. I was actually raised in New Jersey. So you can make fun of me for that since everybody always seems to do that. Uh, but actually really happy, cheerful childhood in beautiful garden state. Nice. I spent a lot of my 20s in Red Bank, New Jersey. So oh. I, I have a lot of respect for the Jerseyans. I, I, they get a bad rep. I don't know why. I don't still, know why either. I was about to say to you, I spent a lot of time, um, what, two years ago in San Francisco. Absolutely mm. beautiful place. Mm -hmm. I see why it's probably the most expensive place in America to live, but a very, very beautiful place. It is very beautiful and it's changed so much in the last, you know, decade. It's mm -hmm. almost unrecognizable to me, but. We stayed in an Airbnb in South San Francisco and we just were, you know, kind of curious. We're staying in a condo and we just happened to look on Zillow. It was worth 1.3 million and it wasn't even that big. And I'm like, how is that possible? I don't understand. All right, Darren. Do you have any favorite memories from Brown University? And I hear you have a background in architecture. That's right. Favorite memories from Brown. Well, one of the things I loved about Brown um, is that it had a cross-registration policy with RISD, with Rhode Island School of Design. And so when I went into college, I was actually debating going to a liberal arts college or art school. I knew I was interested in design and the fine arts. And I chose Brown because of that. So even in my undergrad years, while I was in a liberal arts program, I was able to dabble in architecture, which really led me, you know, on my journey uh, to the next step of of grad school and eventually where we are today, a circuitous but somewhat logical path. That's awesome. And Melanie, do you have any favorite memories from Princeton? I have a lot. I loved my time there. I, little known fact, I was in acapella when I was in college. Uh, and so, you know, one of my favorite memories was doing an arch sing, you know, almost every weekend. Uh, it was just this ritual that we would do as a school and then we'd all go out and party. Yeah, it was a, it was a great place to go to school. That's awesome. Now, there's no question the two of you are incredibly well educated. How did the two of you meet? So we were actually introduced. It was sort of a blind business partner date by a friend of mine from Brown who had worked with Melanie. I, I like to joke that we sort of fell in love in first sight, although it was on the phone. So maybe it was at first <laughs> first talk. But yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was sort of a surprising setup. I certainly wasn't in shopping around for a role like this, but I think we just really connected over our passion to solve this problem as parents. You know, we were both moms who were just kind of failing 
in being able to make this tricky balance work. And so I think just kind of, instead of like just suffering through it, actually having a productive conversation where we had a lot of hope and ideas. I don't know. I think it was just very inspiring. It was a really exciting moment. That's awesome. Okay. So comes the inevitable question. What led you both to found umbrella and why childcare above everything else? I mean, I think so much of it is, as Melanie said, is our firsthand experience, but I think we also had these inflection points that probably both really tipped us over the edge for me, I was working in architecture at the time, struggling as all parents do to find care that matched my schedule and my needs and felt like a good situation for my child. And I had a breaking point, basically. I mean, the day-to-day -day was a struggle, but there was one day when I was scheduled to take one of my final licensing exams, which for architects is a multi-year experience. And the sitter I had found on care.com canceled morning of my partner was across the country. I missed the test. And with those tests, you have to wait six months before you can retake them again. So overnight, as a result of, you know, the infrastructure that was available or lack thereof, my whole career changed trajectory. And at that point, I felt like, wait a second, this isn't working. There's got to be a better way here. Yeah, I mean, I had a similar situation, you know, shortly after my husband and I moved from New York to Los Angeles, I got a call at work that I had to pick up my 16 month old son at the Santa Monica TJ Maxx because his nanny took him there and went shoplifting. And, you know, in that moment, obviously getting past the shock of that sort of emotional violation. Uh, my husband and I had no safety net. We had no support system here in Los Angeles. We'd only been here for three months. And I remember that conversation that we had where, you know, we were literally doing the marriage math and figuring out which one of us would take a step back from our jobs. And it was me, unfortunately. And it took us almost seven months to get him into a childcare situation where I could even consider going back to work. And, you know, in that sense, like I had been on track to be a marketing executive. I wanted to be a CMO and, you know, just that interruption alone completely knocked me off from my goal. And so, yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to childcare, you know, we just feel like there's this innate vulnerability for parents at all times. And it can take something as little as like an incident like this, or, you know, a late babysitter to have this huge impact on your career. You know, both Darian and I invested so much time and money and effort to get where we were. And so to have it ultimately be like a house of cards, it just doesn't seem right and feels like our society should be structured in a much more supportive way to not allow families to fail at such trivial circumstances. That's one of the big things we're having a problem where I work at right now is that work-life balance that during the pandemic, I mean, obviously, you know, what you guys do is a little different than what I do, but during the pandemic, it proved to the world that people can work from home. They can be reliable. They don't have to have someone standing over their shoulder watching everything they do because, you know, people can prove that they can have a healthy work-life balance. And when employers are taking uh, their employees back out of that environment, putting them back into the office setting, there's a lot of push and pull right now. And I definitely see what you guys are saying. I mean, that makes total sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's part of this underlying theme of how do we really support people? You know, how do we balance our expectations of them, you know, with, you know, our policies um, and, and really have compassion for what they're going through, especially working parents. Mm-hmm. Okay, Duval Nation, we are going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with the co-founders of Brella, Darian Williams, and Melanie Wolf. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long, deep breaths. You know, Cluzo style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Give a couple friends of the show your attention, and we will be right back. Hi, I'm Kay. And I'm Jay. We all know that a lot of us spend most of our waking hours at work. So naturally, the majority of our stories come from the many different characters and situations we run into at the workplace. Because of this, we bring you the My Work Life Podcast. On this podcast, we will be sharing your stories from the workplace, no matter what they may be, so we can all laugh and commiserate together. Does someone at work have horrible habits? Crazy bosses that have no idea what they're doing? Hilarious blow-ups from coworkers? Even if you just need to rant, we want to hear it. Everything will be completely anonymous, so don't be afraid to spill your guts. That's right. All names of people and companies will not be disclosed, so send us your best. No story is too small. Email your stories to fmwlpod at gmail.com. That's fmwlpod at gmail.com. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so be sure to subscribe or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your pods. For more fun content, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at FMWLPod. We can't wait to hear from you. Bye. Bye. Duval Nation, Derek and Mindy Duval here to talk about Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. The Derek Duval Show and Derek and Mindy's Fun with Movies is proud to be sponsored by the team at Jerky Pro. As a veteran, I am always the first to support veteran-owned businesses. Setting up shop in 1987 and founded by military and paramilitary veterans, they have set the bar for how beef jerky is processed, flavored, packaged, and sold. With strict quality control standards, Jerky Pro offers many flavors that are sure to please any beef jerky connoisseur. From the standard original flavor to honey glazed, peppered, teriyaki, sweet barbecue, or, if you're brave enough, the fierce red hot, There are many flavors guaranteed to entice your palate. Offered in various sized packaging, use promo code DUBAL37, all in capital letters, at checkout to receive a 5% discount. Remember, folks, if your beef jerky is not making your mouth water, then it's not Jerky Pro Beef Jerky. Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. I wanna be as high as these billionaires in space Sell out the sky like these billionaires in space Hi, this is Dominic Canarella I'm Eric McCoy And I'm Max Meislish We are Them Fantasies Right now, you're listening to our brand new single, Billionaires Billionaires is about how absurd it is that the mega-rich are going to space As if there's nothing left for them here on Earth Nowhere else to go but up, right? You can listen to Billionaires now on all streaming platforms And be sure to check out our brand new music video on our YouTube channel You can find us anywhere on social media at Them underscore Fantasies Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own. 
with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts! Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. Hey, this is Patrick Baker, and you are listening to The Derek Duvall Show. Check out my new single, Sorrow, available on all major streaming platforms. And you can check my site out at patrickbakermusic.com. Don't leave my upper Welcome to Wine Chats with Bildo and Lindalyn. My name is Billy Milovanovic, aka Bildo. My name is Lindsay Kirkwood, also known as Lindalyn. And this is our offensively funny podcast about drinking wine and chatting life. Some of our previous topics include conspiracy theories. I know somebody that thinks the world's flat. What? Like a real person? Yes. Body ailments. I'm going to go from toes up because I have a lot. <laughs> no, seriously, you laugh, but I have so many this body ailments. what happens with age, guys. And I know. And orgasms. I'm a little bit frustrated and it just hasn't been happening. I, I'm trying, Henry's trying, we're all trying, but when orgasming is good, it's good. Basically, we talk about all the things that you would generally talk about over wine with your girlfriends. New episodes out each Monday. Chat, Chat soon. Janae Sergio, arriving. Hello everyone. This is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 107 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of this interview with the co-founders of Brella, Darian Williams and Melanie Wolf. So what does Brella mean exactly? Well, Brella is just a shortened version of Umbrella. And, you know, when we envisioned this business, we really thought about a business that provided coverage for families. So whether that was one day of care every three months or five days of care every week you know we wanted to kind of create this feeling that whatever you need we've got covered and so an umbrella felt like a great visual representation of that and then you know we also wanted it to feel accessible to everybody in the family mom dad kids grandparents so that's where the name originated so for my listeners who have never actually heard of brella can you please give a basic breakdown of what the company offers? 
Yeah, for sure. So uh, Brella is taking center-based care. So think of daycare, preschool for children ages three months to six years. And compared to a traditional model that often has you know, a long wait list, a year-long commitment, a tuition-based pricing model, we've broken that open uh, and made it accessible and flexible for families so that they can control their schedule, they can control their spend. We're basically childcare and we're here when you need us, um, but we're not a burden when you don't. So at Brella, families pay by the hour. Uh, they can book and manage their care through our proprietary mobile app, whether they need a day of backup care or have a custom recurring schedule because full-time looks different for different families. Um, in addition to that, we do provide supportive services for the whole family, including parent education, really um, in the same spirit of coverage and supporting, broadening the lens of support. Childcare has been known to make or break families, especially here where I live financially. How does Brella counterattack that? Yeah, so we just give families control over their spend. So we, you know, the, the typical pricing model for childcare is the tuition model where you pay up front for the month and you pay whether you use every day, every hour or not. And we've flipped that model and we allow families to pay by the hour and you only pay for what you use. So this benefits families, especially in moments like this where you're seeing a high volume of illness among children, a lot of missed school days, you no longer have to pay for those days. And you know, when you think about just the overall cost of care, even being able to save you know, 10 to 20 days a year in cost can be really meaningful for families. And so, you know, giving them basically their complete control over what they pay, it's very innovative in this space, but it does actually allow families to basically take a look at their budget and then be able to book care based on what they can afford versus just having to accept the price that's given to them. Are there any prerequisites that have to be met before a family can apply? No, I think that's the other really beautiful part about it is that we've unlocked a lot of the barriers to enrollment. So you can go online, you can complete some forms. Uh, it takes us about 15 minutes to review them, and then you can start booking. I think the one you know, caveat is that it's subject to availability, but in terms of you know, a lot of the big barriers that prevent families from be even being able to enroll, like having to have your child be potty trained or having to do an interview, you know, we've really kind of broken those all down just because, you know, Going back to my story and Darian's story from the beginning, you know, being able to access childcare in those emergency or last minute need moments is really critical and important to us. Do you guys have uh, specialists on the site for like people with children with autism or any kind of other uh, mental difficulties? Yeah, so we don't have an in-house specialists on site. However, we do work with families uh, with children with special needs. Um, who provide shadows within our classroom. We're very encouraging of neurodiversity um, and developmental diversity. And when we cannot support a child's individual needs, we do everything in our power to keep them at Brella and within our community, but to connect their family with the additional resources they need to be set up for success in our care. That's awesome. Very noble. So I have to ask you as parents, how has innovation in childcare changed? 
It hasn't really changed. And I think that's a big, you know, North Star for us. I mean, it's been an industry that's kind of been immune to even the most basic innovation out there. We laugh because, you know, everybody is connected to their phones, but many, if not most preschools still, you know, want you to pay with a paper check and send home like a printed flyer every afternoon. And it just doesn't feel right. And so, you know, when we started Brella, we also wanted to bring childcare into the 21st century and, you know, bring technology into the mix. And so, you know, we've actually developed our own technology. We've built our own uh, app that families can use to manage their accounts, schedule, uh, communicate with us. Uh, we're very uh, forward looking in that front. And, you know, the reality is a lot of families really appreciate that. And it's one of the reasons why they choose to use us. How hard was it to get Brella off the ground? Did you guys have a lot of uphill struggles or was it? It was really easy. (laughs) (laughs) We overcame a lot. We, when we started, you know, this was five years ago and childcare did not have the news coverage that it has today. In our early fundraising conversations, we encountered a lot of people that weren't really sure that this was a problem. And we got a lot of no's, but I think the thing that kept us going is that we we truly knew firsthand and we knew from our research, we knew how big the opportunity was here and never once did one of those no's discourage us, but it was a lot. We had to raise the money. We found a location, found staff and had two babies in the process of it. So it was a juggle, but I think there's such a strong feeling of conviction and passion for this. And we were also living the challenges as we were putting the pieces together that it only further compelled us. I think also from just an operational standpoint, uh, when, we, when we first started, neither Darian nor I have ever worked in retail. And one of the biggest pushbacks we had from you know, investors or advisors was, it's easy to open the first, but it's a lot harder to have the second. I think a good metaphor is with children too, and we've both experienced that. And so just seeing it operating so beautifully and us not having to kind of be there every day, it's very validating for us. So what is next to the both of you? Opening more umbrellas. We're about to start construction in our third location. Our fourth will be soon to follow. You know, I think the thing that's so special about our model compared to other schools is that Brella is designed as a network. And so when a family enrolls in Brella, they enroll in all of our locations, kind of like an all access network. And so for a family that might live on the east side and commute to the west side for work and they're living this hybrid post-COVID schedule, we're here on either end of their commute. You think of a family that moves from one side of town to the other. And so we're really focused on building the density to support that. And I think it's very exciting to see that even between our two locations, we're seeing those use cases being proven out. You two are going to build empires, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So as we begin to enter this final phase of the interview, I always like to ask one fun question. When you both are not building empires, what do you guys like to do for fun and relax? (laughs) Mm. It feels like a very inaccessible question right now. Um, 
you know, I have three young kids and when I'm not working, I'm usually working for them. Um, but, you know, as a family, we do a lot of activities that I really enjoy. I love hiking with my kids. I love going to the beach and, you know, we live really close to the beach here. Um, and we're just started. I think we've finally cracked the nut on baking and cooking as a family. So, you know, all of those are really fun. And then just personally, I mean, I like to go on runs alone. I like to be outside. I like to be active. I would concur with a lot of that. I love spending time in nature. I think that's my biggest outlet and love spending time with my boys going on adventures. There's so much that Southern California has to offer in that way. Uh, in terms of solo interests, I really enjoy watercolor painting and meditating. I've been doing this show for three years. Not one person has ever said watercolor painting. Well done. Mm -hmm. the first. Congratulations. <laughs> All right. As we begin to wind things down, can you please tell my listeners how best to follow your adventures online? Yeah, you can follow us at, at HelloBrella on Instagram. Uh, we're also on Facebook. And if you want to learn more about our programs, you can also visit our website, which is www.hellobrella.com. Awesome. All right. I end my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this, and this goes for both of you. Either one can answer first. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of Earth? You cannot fall off the planet. I would tell them to go hug a teacher because they're so important to our society and so undervalued. I agree. Very much so. Darian, Melanie, congratulations on your success. And I know my listeners join me in wishing you all the best for your future and your empire building. Oh, thank you. And just like that, Devon Nation, we come to the end of episode 107. I want to thank Darian and Melanie for taking the time to speak with me. Both are extraordinary women who have tapped into something really special, and I am sure we will continue to hear amazing things from them in the coming future. Tune in again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I have a really good one coming up in a few days, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. I was debating bringing this up at all, but I think my heart is healed enough to talk about the incredible loss we shared over the death of Christine McVie. Now, my earliest memories are of my dad blasting Fleetwood Mac into my tiny ears at a very early age. Some might question that particular parenting choice looking back at it, but that's an entirely different conversation we can have. However, my love for Christine's music carried me well into my 40s. She was the songbird, her mastery of songwriting unquestioned. Everyone knows my admiration for Lindsey Buckingham, and after the firing from Fleetwood Mac, I kind of put all of Fleetwood Mac's music into this little hypothetical box, never to be opened again. Christine McVie's sudden death a few days ago led me to open that box, and boy, am I glad I did. Her voice was angelic. Her harmonies unequaled. Listen to the live recording of Songbird from the 1997 live dance concert, and tell me that's not one of the most beautiful sounding recordings you've ever heard. Even though I read an interview with her recently that said Fleetwood Mac is officially retired, I know many had held out hope for a reconciliation between Stevie and Lindsay that would have allowed them to go out on a high note. Alas, that ship has now sailed. So as we end episode 107, I challenge you, Duval Nation, to seek out the following recordings and listen to them at an elevated volume. Those songs are Brown Eyes, Little Eyes, 
1997 live recording of Songbird, Hold Me, Everywhere, Say You Love Me, and Got a Hold on Me. Be prepared to be emotionally moved. And like I said, if heaven does indeed exist, I hope it's her voice people hear when they arrive at the pearly gates. Okay, a few housekeeping items before we close out today. Have you had a chance to check out our store on TeePublic? We have everything from magnets, stickers, and mugs. Plus, we have a carefully curated collection of t-shirts put together by myself and Mrs. Duvall. Be sure to go to our website, DerekDuvallShirt.com. Look on the banner on the left that says Merch. Click that, and you'll be taken to our store on TeePublic. And we want to thank TeePublic for being such great partners. On behalf of the entire team here at the Dark Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, do your part to help those less fortunate than yourself this holiday season. The pandemic ruined a lot of lives financially, so good people are struggling. Please help however you can during the season of giving. Nostar, God bless, and see you next time, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvalShow.com, to explore past episodes and find links to purchase merchandise. Please subscribe to our social media channels on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Derek Duval Show.